0: welcome back to Sweet Morgan Life Live. Today we're looking at why does the Bible say that people sleep in the grave? Hmm. It's not a very inspirational, spiritual thing to say. What's going on there? My name is Curtis Childs, and I'm your host, and this is our, my co-host, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey, Curtis. Thanks so much for coming. And if you have been coming and watching this show with some kind of regularity over the past little while and want to watch it more please consider subscribing to our show. Liking and subscribing, they may seem like insignificant little clicks of the button on the YouTube social media side of things, but they really do send a message to YouTube. They say, these guys are worth promoting in your algorithm. And then that leads us to many more people. And those people, some of them, what's this, this is dumb, I'm leaving. But other people say, I wanna watch this more and it becomes a helpful part of their life. So please consider doing that. Uh, We today are following up on a conversation we had two weeks ago, mm. about the, so- the meaning of the book of the Revelation, the souls under the altar. And today we're going to expand that conversation, go at a slightly different angle. We're going to look at a different way to understand the Bible text about people who are sleeping in or rising up from graves. Oh, yeah. Because like, like here, you had these souls under the altar, and it was a totally different meaning when you got into the correspondential yeah, symbolism. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Similarly, how do we reconcile a vision of the afterlife with this idea that you die and you go sleep in the you take a dirt nap and that's it. Yeah, right. So we're going to do that, but first let's get a little bit revved up. I feel like I'm not quite all the way locked in. And the best way to lock in is with a little audience participation, delayed participation, we're going to do our icebreaker now. Okay, this is the part of the show where, if you are in the chat, we want to hear your answer to this question because we want to know what's your like, and we also want to know how does stuff help you. And this is market research, and it's getting to know you, and it's educating us, and it's everything in between. Mm. Why wouldn't we do it? And That's you and I, I will, once, yeah, yeah, we'll try to answer this question for your amusement uh, as well. So this is the icebreaker, which is not amusing at all. When no. you feel in a pit of despair what sustains you or lifts you up it's fitting Mm. because we talked about the souls under the altar in the pit there'll be spoiler alert there'll be a return to the lower earth kind of pit situation we go through these processes in miniature i feel like all the time yeah so when you're in that pit the pit being like the psychological state hopelessness uh whatever you want to call it what gets you out of there
1: Mm. for me i guess two things come to mind uh one is the power of music i remember the stories in the old testament about saul and he would be troubled in his spirit and all that and so david would come and play to him and he'd feel better and i found often when i'm uh in that when as far as i can tell i'm in that sort of pit kind of state Uh, music can really help change my change my state not necessarily upbeat music. You know, sometimes it's actually sad music or something yeah. that's contemplative or something will take you out of that state into a different direction. Yeah. And the other thing is that the, those that biblical idea of the pit. They were sort of cisterns. They would have water in the bottom in that desert land, and so they were shaped in a way where it it was like impossible to get out. Oh yeah. You know, it sloped the wrong way. Like you can't you can't can't do that. And so <laughs> my other thought is that other people, contact from other people who are not in that state yeah. can often help. There are times where I just can't get myself out, but it seems like somebody comes along and helps out.
0: It's absolutely true because they aren't, the things that are hooking you, whatever, some perspective about yourself or about yeah, life right. or about the nature of reality or an event that's coming up, that's really strong to you. It's bothering you. It's got your number. They don't care about that. They, they've got their own demons, you know, but right. they happen to be strong in that area. To help you
1: with it. Yeah, right.
0: Which is great without that sort of... Because if you're just looking to the same system that's producing your depression or your pit or your despair or whatever, in the first place, you're not going to find the solution within that system. So I love that. That's right. And that's I think right. that... How about you? Well, <clears throat> I was going to say with the music... Just when we're getting started start the show and we see that intro, we see the intro just like you guys at home do, that music gets me in the mood. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, right. time to host That's the show. Um, I would say there are two things that I would use. um sounds corny, but it's uh, Swedenborg stuff. Uh, the the nice. overarching worldview that is described by all this stuff that he writes accounts of, the way that he sets the priorities in mm-hmm. life, the, the things that matter and that don't the, even just the focus in the subject material i can often get in there and when i'm really like feeling under siege um the the scariest stuff to me um doesn't have any answers for the the swedenborg mindset so that's yeah. part of why i'm so
1: reading's a cool way to get any kind of reading it's kind of a yeah. cool way to get outside of yourself and then to read spiritually up the link material that can actually tell you what's going on and stuff like that that's cool
0: it paints a different picture of what the purpose of life is and what's important and the the stuff that was lurking before just can't hack it in that environment that plus doing anything productive like getting getting up oh, off the couch point. doing some kind of menial Physically
1: task doing something that's right accomplishing
0: yeah. something that has relevance to your life uh, is an awesome tonic it
1: so often does change your state doesn't it what
0: what's up with all of you well how do you we're all going through this life thing together and there's way more pits in it than you'd like there to be Mm. what do you guys do to get up out of that pit so at the end of the show we're going to be reading all your responses and gaining some wisdom and some tools and techniques okay i'm feeling ready let's dive into the conversation all right sleep in the graves coming up next We've got this, these sections of the Bible that seem to say, in their literal sense, that people who die will sleep in the grave until Judgment Day.
1: Right. You get that in There's a few not places. Not a ton of those passages, but you get it in a few places. That's right. Yeah, you do have a few passages that, that could be read that way.
0: And you get people who rebroadcast those passages and um, yeah,
1: lean hard teach hard on them, and lean hard on them, That's and right.
0: such. You do have that we get a lot of pushback online of people saying like there is no these are not atheistic people but religious people that are saying the dead don't know anything because they're asleep in the grave. Right. So you got that on one side. On the other side, you've got stuff like near-death experiences, Emanuel Swedenborg, other parts of the Bible that also that's right indicate an immediate as you put it once immediate conscious personal survival of death.
1: Yeah, that's right. Like Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That doesn't say anything yeah. about sleeping or right. Yes, and it is today it's pretty clear
0: the whole like all these um, I saw the tunnel and I went up and I saw my relatives and I felt love They, they you don't know, say I was well. I was in a grave. I could see the lid of it You know, I was asleep, but some that this is this an unsolvable yeah. conflict.
1: Yeah, right and the and the idea I mean what's at risk here is that either people who are are really taking the Bible very literally will reject the near-death experience, or say you were just talking to evil spirits. It was demonic. Or the we'll people yep. who believe the near-death experiences can reject the Bible because they say, well, this is no good. It's you just know, an it old say, Bronze
0: Age book. Doesn't yeah, matter. that's right.
1: It, it's, just, it's not relevant anymore. But I'd like to try to save both of those if possible. Like, I think they both got something important to say.
0: Well, if that's something you'd like, then that's what we're going to do. Because really? through the science of correspondences, Swedenborg provides the perfect answer that ties these two worlds together and actually mm. has them reinforce each other and teaches us a spiritual message at the same time that's the power that's of that? the swedenborg yeah wow so this is how we're going to do it a while back we did ourselves a show that was called the dead why does the bible say the dead oh, know nothing yeah
1: that's one that people bring up isn't it yeah
0: that's one of the ones It's is a similar vein to what we're doing here so mm-hmm. you can check that out if you want a little more groundwork before you get into this go ahead we'll wait an hour it, but In that show, we dug deeply into how to understand the words dead and death and life in in Uh, correspondential language. If you
1: take that in a more spiritual way, all of a sudden those things make sense with things like today you'll be with me in paradise. Exactly. Because it's an internal problem right within the Bible, as we were just saying. So, right.
0: If you look that same way now at sleep and graves oh okay there's uh there's a meaning sleep in there and as well and, okay. and i would say it's not there, it's less of a leap than you might think because we just it just trickles through into casual conversation that nobody designed it was on no church's agenda that we use the word sleep to mean a uh, certain kind of awareness of life for example if i say like come on wake up the the people then uh, there's the, the our
1: what do i mean yeah i wouldn't say I wasn't sleeping, was I snoring? No, you're saying, look at it differently. Like yes. your thinking is like you're asleep or you're unconscious of some factor or something yeah. like that. Be a, yeah, become that, aware. Yeah, that's what people say, right?
0: Yep. The kids will say something is woke. You woke. are woke if if you're aware. Now, what do the young
1: people mean by that?
0: Oh, nobody knows exactly what they mean, but it often has to do with awareness of social injustices of various kinds. Also, oh,
1: look at that. So it's as if if you have that higher awareness, then you're woke. I'm not,
0: but but many yeah. people are. Yeah.
1: And if you if you often in referring to yourself, you
0: could say I was I was asleep, you know, when this was happening. It just means I didn't, right. I wasn't watching out for it. I didn't comprehend the situation. Or I should have been there, but people I wasn't. will
1: say snoring through it, or yeah. so you know. And you don't mean literally that you're sawing away. It means yeah. you know that your mind was somewhere else. Yeah. Or you just weren't really paying attention to what was going so on. So when
0: we get all when all those people say, "Yeah, I was just sleeping through your whole show," they must not really mean that they. Yeah, oh, no, that's what they mean.
1: <laughs> so we are a well-known sleep aid, but
0: <laughs> Swedenborg learned that this this way that we use those words just what it seems just naturally is actually the spiritual reality coming through and it's a correspondence slipping into our language and and because that's the correspondential meaning that's also the way they're used in the bible oh this is interesting apocalypse explained sleep signifies natural life without spiritual since natural life compared with spiritual is as sleep to wakefulness
1: oh now wait a second so what what do you think that's saying that Even though we might feel, oh, I'm fully awake right now, you know, I'm not asleep, I'm not snoring or something, and yet spiritual life would be so much higher than that that you run out of words. So what's what's the best way to say? Well, this is called asleep, this is awake. Yes. so people talk about a spiritual awakening even the 12 steps talk about a spiritual awakening don't they?
0: all the way back to plato saying like the unexamined life is not worth living yeah and the all all throughout there that, that you can be going through your life but you don't you're not really aware of what's going on and this yeah. would be like ego driven i'm might as well be on autopilot because it's one ego concern to the next ego concern versus you may you may wake up when you first start to realize that other people have lives, or when you start to yeah. realize parts of you
1: that are yeah, that's right. contributing right. to the You're, problem. There, there are other people outside yeah. of yourself, and they actually go through stuff that isn't about you, <laughs> right? So, which is right. weird. Uh, yeah, and it's so strange. I ha- just found that out the other day.
0: Did you? Okay, yeah. I'm, I haven't yeah. yet, but I'm going through yeah. soon. Yeah. Ch- that Stuff like that changes the way we could read Bible passages, such as the following, where we see sleep popping up. This first one is from Matthew. Can oh, let's that? have a
1: look at it, sure. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven. So this is a parable. We know the parable is going to be a there. spiritual story with, with a meaning. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Ah, sleeping. So why would you take the sleep there? Uh, at face value when you assume that the seed and all the elements, you know, the enemy and so on, those are spiritual things, right? Yes. And it's like while we're not paying attention, something creeps in and so something we don't want in our hearts. And
0: then further from Psalm 13.
1: Ah, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Well, I think the way that Swedenborg explains that, that's talking about not literally snoring in yeah. death, but that there will be a reduced state of consciousness. I won't have the truth. You know, yeah. I won't understand. So I'll be asleep in that sense.
0: That's why I even bother to say sleep and death when I just say death. There's an extra layer yeah. of meaning there.
1: And scripture does that a lot, actually. If you look and see, oh, yeah. sleep and death are often associated together, even to the point that's confusing yeah but is the person sleeping or not you know yeah right
0: well it's, it's uh that Lazarus is not dead that's only right. sleeping yeah, yeah right and dead then everybody Lazarus,
1: yeah. laughs to scorn and all that it's right.
0: a tough it's a tough crowd so this is what Swedenborg says about sleeping and waking being about spiritual states you know so this is AE 158 or AR 158 a person who learns truths and lives according to them is like someone who awakens from sleep and becomes alert so oh, how do you so wake up? Cool. You, you get the light, uh, spiritual light of truth. Light of truth, snaps which is open like in the dawn, eyes. it
1: all fits, doesn't it? So And it wh- wakes you up. And as you live by that, yeah. then you're like somebody who's awake. You know, before that, it's like you're just lying in bed and you may be having some dream or something, but it's not actually what's going on. Whereas when you wake up and you start moving around and doing stuff, that's that you're living by that truth in your life.
0: That's exactly like what I was describing before when I'm in the pit. And I've got some kind of concern, which is that there's something in life is frightening me in some way. Suddenly, when I first remember, oh, there's God and the God is overseeing Mm. everything and is above it. It's like, oh, I just woke up. And I totally I mean, know that, that, dif- that there's a distinct difference in oh, the mindset. Oh, that's fun, there.
1: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Right. So
0: we've got the sleep thing go- going pretty well. And that applying that could really make us look at sleeping until Jesus comes in a different way. That if, if truth wakes us up, Jesus is bringing this oh. information that gets people aware of spiritual truth. And what did he always do? He always taught people stuff.
1: Yes, that's right. And he was the word made flesh. The word yeah. meaning some embodiment of truth. And so when that truth comes in, it wakes you up. And Scripture is full of talk about the Lord taking the people who sat in darkness and bringing them into a great light and Love that, that kind one. of thing. So. Yeah. He was here to wake people up to tell them a different thing about, oh no, don't think of it this way. Do that, do this.
0: So I go to the tabloids, you know like Christmas tablos oh, right, right. whenever they they uh, they read that line, people who've walked in darkness have seen it. I always get these like goosebumps. Oh, it's a I just whatever yeah. it means is I'm like with deep. You. So that's we a did cool it. One. we we said we we're going to explain sleep and that's it and we did oh, it. So I okay. think we'll end the show a little early today. Okay, good. No. Great, but, but there
1: was that one other bit though. The graves. I completely
0: forgot. Oh, that's going to be a little harder. The graves harder are, because, weird. well, I mean, we would start by saying mm-hmm. graves, how could graves not be something dark and disastrous like we're talking? Oh, it's got to be
1: something creepy and Halloween-y yeah. or something. Everything
0: like, has a dual symbolism, right? So, Swedenborg right. says that everything has a positive and negative correspondence. It's easy to think about the negative correspondence of the grave as being some kind of spiritual ah. death or evil or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, right? yeah, but like
1: when you say something like... Uh, would this work? Like you say, bury the hatchet yeah. means don't be mad at somebody anymore. Right, right, right. So that would be a positive sort of burial. Wouldn't sure,
0: it? it is, but it's it's still like, like you're it. burying
1: a resentment or anger. Or right.
0: Something. Yes, it could be. It's still like the thing that's going into the ground is still dying because the hatchet was the problem, yeah. and now there's no problem. Oh, I
1: guess so. So, so you never. Guess I so. mean, if you just think about was the, there any other more positive way of looking at it? Th- look, we so got, got
0: some dirt here.
1: Oh, oh, good. And uh, we had some dirt.
0: Yeah, some people, if people want to dirt on us, there is, is there ever a time when something's going into that that could lead to anything but death? Even if, if maybe it's a positive death that has to happen. You never, no matter who you are, you never want to be buried in the ground, right? No, of
1: course not. Unless
0: oh. you're an acorn, which oh, this is right here. If this thing gets buried into the ground, which I thought this was so cool, when it, this,
1: that's a burial... But nobody thinks of that as death. And that's and, not a bad thing. No. I mean, the seed doesn't get worse. The seed is already the way that it was. And yeah. then it goes through a transformation when it's in there.
0: So this is a time when burying is just universally good. Because mm. this, we know what it's going to lead to. There's going to be this progression from something that is initially oh, relatively you know, not even living uh, two. Oh, it seems
1: as hard as a rock doesn't it yeah There's like nothing to it
0: you not not really uh something that's going to propagate growing or not or do anything.
1: producing anything right
0: but then suddenly you've got this progression here mm. and we know what that can all lead to so this is actually a crucial first step that leads us into life this is from secrets of heaven 2916 since burial symbolizes resurrection, and only with an example like this could you see like, how a burial could symbolize a yes, resurrection.
1: right, that's right.
0: It also symbolizes rebirth. Rebirth is our first resurrection because when we are reborn, our previous self dies and our new self is revived. Oh, that's cool. Rebirth changes us from dead people into living ones and
1: even there you'd have quote marks around the dead yes i mean it's not right it's not literally physically lifeless but it's a spiritual lifelessness that once you rise out of it you realize oh actually doesn't the amazing grace say that about i was dead and now i you know that kind of thing right
0: and it's not even like oh you were alive and then you die and then you come back alive it's like you were dead you were sitting here as a hard nut but then once this happens we're suddenly brought into life and that you could you know all the 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 definition of life this wouldn't meet a few of them the characteristics of but once it gets in the ground it's unquestionably becomes a living organism
1: acorn up to that point probably thinks oh this is all there is i'm doing a good job of being an acorn or something so you have no idea of the growth that's possible
0: rebirth changes from dead people into living ones that is why a grave has the inner level symbolism it does and that's where we begin to nail this Mm,
1: so So that's how
0: you can mm. get sleeping and grave and get this whole new sense out of them so instead of taking sleeping or rising out of the graves literally we can see it as part of this some
1: sort of creepy zombie movie image or something Right. right
0: but it becomes this rebirth process and jesus christ just blatantly talks about this when he says unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies
1: it remains alone yeah but if it does it bears much fruit and all that and and he likened his own crucifixion to that yeah. process yeah so he was describing that as a uh, eventually very positive process right it might be difficult in the short run but it's but it's positive in the long run
0: are you with us cuz if you're not with us we're in trouble because now we feel like we've laid this out enough that it's we getting can
1: worse now from here we
0: can go take this stuff okay. that we built here and go try to apply it to some of these passages that are causing us... About problems.
1: rising out of the graves, yep. right? Yep. Okay
0: so uh, as in the altar show that we did two weeks ago we'll be looking at the symbolism both from a spiritual history perspective where we're talking about things that happened to the human race on a large scale in the past
1: movements over thousands of years yeah
0: but because everything is the same what is that something in a snowflake heaven in a wildflower oh right because those processes are universal they're also happening in us and we'll look at the personal application as well so let's take a look now at the graves being opened Our setting for this story is the last judgment, mm. which, th- according to Swedenborg, is a term for a time of total reordering of the spiritual world, and by by uh, resonant impact, th- what's going on here, pretty much everything gets shifted around in our consciousness because uh, of this last judgment phenomenon, and this was one that needed, t- the last judgments happen when everything gets out of balance
1: so it's not a matter of the f- destruction of the physical sky or the physical planet no. or, or whatever you know the destruction of the human race it's, it's this a, is something that goes on in the spiritual world
0: and i think as you've pointed out it's a swedenborg special to say the last judgment is something that happens but it happens in the spiritual world not in the physical world and leading up to the last judgment swedenborg talks about a place where people in the spiritual world are protected it's called the lower earth and it's where people can be kept safe until this whole reordering is completed.
1: Yeah, and it's like that souls under the altar thing we talked about last time. And it's also, he says, there are things in the scripture that talk about the lower parts of the earth, right. or if I go down to the pit and that kind of thing, that this is actually a, a place, if you will, in the spiritual world.
0: Yeah, that your your spirit could be kind of going through that same thing when you're in the pits that we talked about with the icebreaker yeah, question, right. way back when. In case you were just watching along and were like, What? Last Judgment? That's exciting. Why don't you guys talk about that instead of what you were going to talk about before? <laughs> we already did. There's that a show. If you want better. to look all about it, there's a. we did a program about the Last Judgment. But in um, we want to look back at it in the context of the souls under the altar. Because last week, we talked about those souls and how they were kept safe through this Last Judgment.
1: And they were in a peaceful state. I mean, they were all right, right?
0: Yes, right. That, that, that was one of the things we found... And and really refined in the research was that they're not that miserable there. Right. They're doing okay, but they still couldn't rise up or wake up to the full heavenly state because of the state of things.
1: So they weren't unconscious and they weren't sleeping down there. Uh, But they were not in a fully spiritually conscious state because they didn't have certain light of truth that would sort of wake up your mind and bring it to that next level. Right.
0: Yep. And if you're all with us so far, we're going to assert that that last judgment wasn't the only last judgment that's happened. That actually there are last judgments at the end of every religious era or spiritual era in the human race. And that there was one in 1758? 1757?
1: But there was one when Jesus came into the world. That's right. A couple thousand years earlier. And And and, um,
0: that was part of what necessitated his coming was how out of whack the spiritual world was. And at that time, things were actually worse. It seems it was a
1: similar situation that yeah. you had some people who were gathered in the lower earth. It's a natural thing that unfolds. It's hard to describe. But if you're in a situation where you don't understand the truth but you're kind of a decent person, yeah. it's just a natural place that you you end up. Right. But it seems like they were having a more stressful time there. Yes. I don't know if there was a difference because in seventeen fifty seven The Lord had already come into the world so he could help them more or something like that. But it it seemed to be worse that first time.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, Swedenborg asserts that after the crucifixion, Jesus actually traveled down to the lower earth to free these people who were called the captives and then guide them on a journey up to heaven. Oh. And um, um, unfortunately, I mean, there's nothing that indicates that in the Bible. We just got to kind of trust Swedenborg Seems so on this one. so far
1: fetched, except for we don't that have one, any kind
0: of smoking gun passages that or anything one like that.
1: Passage of oh, um, uh, well, you don't it have like, it like
0: right handy, do you? Uh,
1: I, 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 like Ephesians four, or something like that. It's talking about Christ and in verse eight. It says, "Therefore, He says," and this is about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. When He ascended, meaning Jesus, when He ascended on high. He led captivity captive. Oh, so that's like he brought captivity to an end. Yeah. And what did he do? And he gave gifts to people. And then it explains. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? Other than that. And several other passages in Scripture. Yeah, it's not covered in there.
0: <laughs> so, so <laughs> we've got Jesus going into this lower earth, helping people out, pulling them out, and this is going to
1: releasing them from this captivity, right? Yes, and, and cool. this
0: is going this is going to be told in dramatic fashion in the Book of Matthew, where we really start looking at graves. Oh, you know? so we, we mean, get this the is,
1: graves back in here. Yeah,
0: okay. Matthew 27, because we have to get through these okay. to prove the correspondences. All right. So, what does this say?
1: And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, this is at that final moment of his life, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. How the tombs here
0: being this symbolizing the lower earth that we were just oh, talking about.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Now, you can see how people would think, oh, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. So they thought, oh, people were lying in their graves and they physically came back up. But it said holy people, they were already in the spiritual world and the grave they were in was this lower part of the earth. They came to a higher consciousness through that truth. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. People make the mistake of thinking that was the city in this physical world. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was the holy city. It was the holy city in the other world.
0: So we already talked about this because all these different topics we do sort of intersect at different points. Isn't that we,
1: the case? It's amazing.
0: We brought this up in a show about the meaning of Easter. But we want to revisit it in the context of the souls under the altar that we did last week. So the historical sense, if we were going to go for like, tell the story. Okay,
1: in the grand scheme. W- right.
0: Of what was happening when Jesus was going down and doing this freeing, it goes like this. It's the secrets of heaven. 9229, the appearance of dead saints or holy people in the other translation right. in Jerusalem in a vision seen by several observers symbolized the fact that people in the spiritual church were saved and were eventually taken up to the holy city, meaning heaven,
1: meaning heaven. And it says that these people were having a vision. So the people on earth did kind of see this, but they had the spiritual eyes open yeah. and they were witnessing a spiritual event of these people rising up. And they yes. put it into the only earthly language they had available, which is like, hey, tombs were open yeah. and these people came, came up.
0: Which is that language, that correspondence. And, and
1: note that word spiritual there. I think we're going to have to talk some more about that. Sure. But, people in the because there's a heavenly church that's even yeah. higher than that, right? But right? These are people in the spiritual church who are more focused on truth. Until that okay?
0: time, they were kept in an underground Realm, which is the in lower the spiritual earth. world. Yeah, yeah.
1: Not underground in this world. So this
0: story obviously and, oh, has exactly. like a little more unpacking to do, and we're gonna. This is a clip actually coming from Swedenborg's Secrets of Heaven six eight five four, and this talks about what Jesus was doing, why these people needed the particular care they needed, the spiritual aspect
1: versus yeah, the heavenly who they were and what yeah. they, yeah, what made them tick and everything. And right. uh, and then a little bit and about the vulnerability that they had, right?
0: Yes, the conditions that they were living in. So mm. here's how it goes.
2: The people designated as spiritual are those who can be reborn only in regard to their intellectual part, not their will part. The Lord therefore grants a new will into their intellectual part and this will harmonizes with the religious teachings of their church. These people, the spiritual, were saved only by the Lord's arrival in the world. The reason is that they were out of reach to the deity as he passed through heaven or divine humanity as it existed before the Lord's coming. It could not reach them because the teachings of their religion were mostly untrue and the good in their will was accordingly not good. Since it was only the Lord's coming that could save them they could not be taken up into heaven until then. Meanwhile they were kept in the underground realm and in places there that the word calls pits. This realm was hemmed in on all sides by the hells with their falsities, which made life miserable for the pit dwellers at that time. Nonetheless, the Lord was guarding them. After the Lord came into the world, though, and made the humanity in himself divine, he freed the people living in the pits and took them up to heaven. He also formed them into a spiritual heaven, the second heaven, that is what is meant by the Lord's descent to the lower regions and by his deliverance of the people imprisoned there.
0: For Swedenborg Geeks, we may, he may be talking there about the creation of the spiritual heaven.
1: Yeah, that's right. It does seem like that's the formation. Which, that's what it was made of, of those yeah. people. I always thought, so that, oh, they'd
0: all been around forever, but the yeah, dynamism no. of the spiritual world as described by Swedenborg is fascinating to me. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: that's right. Whole new levels being created. And yeah.
0: Hmm. But why, when you're watching that, what sort of sticks out to me at the end is they were in these unpleasant conditions where hell yeah. was coming in and attacking them and Not causing fun. problems. So why were they left there for so long? Why didn't God just bring them right out? Is God unfeeling or lazy or forgot or what's going
1: on there? Well, it's like this situation here. If you take this, let's say in the spring. Yeah. uh, In the springtime, if this thing comes up too early, like around here, you know, in the middle of January or something like that, it's going to get clobbered. It's safe as long as it's still in seed form. But if it starts to germinate too early, it could get destroyed. Like the whole game is over at that point.
0: And there's all kinds of potential danger in weather, not cooperating, when you start to put out your your uh, growth for the season. And so plants actually have a lot of mechanisms built into them just to try to avoid that. This is a little quote about plant seed dormancy. Some viable seeds might not germinate. So viable meaning they could, yeah, but, they they could don't. but they don't. Many seeds have developed a dormancy or sleep period. Seed dormancy is a condition that prevents germination even under optimal environmental conditions. But why would it benefit seeds not to not all germinate when conditions are right. In nature, staggering germination keeps some seedlings safe from possible bursts of bad weather or herbivores that might eat them. Seeds of plants that grow best in the spring have self-selected to germinate only after cold winter temperatures have passed.
1: So it's survival. And I think it's the same thing we're talking about here, spiritually, that these people were were vulnerable uh, because they hadn't really grown at the level of their heart. Yeah. it was mostly about their minds and a lot of what they were thinking and their minds was not right anyway they were they were decent people but they had a lot of things that they were confused about
0: and with the conditions in the spiritual world like they were it's kind of like we see in winter when a couple of plants mm. get optimistic and they send up these shoots or maybe they send out a flower and then and some weather comes late
1: in winter storms and they get clobbered
0: like we did all through march last year that's right so relating this to people in the lower earth swedenborg says in apocalypse explained 899 The reason why this was not done before is that before the last judgment, the hells prevailed, which is like a really bad spiritual winter. Bad winter, right. And there was a preponderance on their part, but afterwards the heavens prevailed. And so there was a preponderance on their part. So this is just the changing of the seasons on this grandest scale. For by the last judgment, all things, both in the hells and in the heavens, were brought into a state of order. If therefore these had been raised up before, they would not have been able to resist the power with which the hells prevailed over the heavens. So Mm -hmm. you can't withstand freezing temperatures if you've got water in your cells.
1: That's right. That... Better to be a seed and just ride it out.
0: Right. That they were raised up, it was granted me to see. For from the lower earth, where they were reserved by the Lord, I saw large bodies of them rising up and being elevated, and also translated into heavenly societies. This took place after the last judgment. A similar event took place after the former judgment, which was accomplished by the Lord when he was in the world.
1: Ah, so Swedenborg's sort of layering both of those, the year zero 01 and the yeah. 1757 one kind of right. thing.
0: So there's, there's a personal side to all this. We're talking about these people way back in history. Maybe you don't care about people back in history, even if, uh, you know, it's nice to be empathetic. This is not really relevant. Why am I watching this show? It's, oh, talking no, about, far away. it's talking about us right now. And this is how Swedenborg says it is. This is Secrets of Heaven 2916. Hmm. Clearly, a grave symbolizes resurrection and rebirth. In Ezekiel, this is what the Lord Jehovah says. Watch, I will open your graves and make you come out out of your graves my people and bring you to
1: Israel's soil so to say that directly to To people who are awake and can read and understand yeah and it's like actually where you are now is a grave but I'm going to bring you up out of there
0: do I look that bad I'm not dead (laughs) here the prophet is talking about bones that have been brought to life and in an inner sense about rebirth The graves in this passage stand for the old self. There it is. For our ego, lower, whatever you want to call it self, mm. with its vices and distortions. Mm. To open and come up out of them is to be reborn. So, so we that's
1: are, a very positive. Coming out of that grave is a very positive image.
0: We're being reborn from the messed up false ways we used to see life into these new, true, heavenly yeah. ways. That's the right. image of a grave disappears and is more or less stripped away then when the idea of rebirth or new life comes up. Matthew 27, 52 and 53 says oh, that that's the grave opened and many bodies of sleeping saints rose again and left their graves after the Lord's resurrection, this involves the same meaning, namely, rising again, because of the Lord's resurrection, and in a deeper sense, every resurrection, yours, mine, yours, everybody's.
1: So this is kind of a universal pattern. This may have happened on a grand scheme with thousands of people, but each of us kind of go through that seed in the ground experience, and then the Lord is able to raise it up to a higher level
0: and just like the, you can look at other instances of the process and learn about your own like the seasons and the biological cycles are a reflection of it this takes time we put this thing in here it's not going to unfortunately by the end of the show it's not going to germinate even if we give it ideal no, it conditions takes even
1: way longer than that
0: it takes time and so it is with us there can be times when it seems like i'm in the pit and what am i doing here and, and nothing is changing I've been forgotten, nothing is right. happening.
1: And you think of that seed through all that winter, it just feels, well, what have you accomplished since yeah. a month ago? Uh, nothing. But, oh no, it's still going in the right direction. And it can
0: be even more frustrating when there is fluctuation, because it's getting warm and you feel like, well, I could, there's I mean,
1: time to, right. I could be
0: moving forward right now, things could be changing, but you don't realize that not in, in two weeks it's going to get below freezing again to hold out. So there's a message of sustaining hope for each one of us that hey this is going to happen summer is going to come not quite yet but it's inevitably moving forward to that
1: and it's such a strange but beautiful idea that there's actually a protection in the pit mm-hmm. like didn't it say that the lord reserved people there like that's a that's a state that he can hold us in that's better than another condition we could yeah. be in and there's actually protection in it. It's kind of an amazing idea.
0: That even though you don't feel safe at all and those people in the lower earth before Jesus is coming. They were complaining. They didn't feel safe, they but were they were. Happy. And that yeah. not that the story of life? That it doesn't feel mm. safe, but in the end, we'll see that it is. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's do some questions. <laughs> Okay, so the game that we play now is you guys write your questions and comments into the chat room, and we try our best to respond to those, and we see how it goes. And then we edit it out in the end. So <laughs> let's see what our, our first question is. Sadly not. Here. Steven Mora Viquez asks, Swedenborg ever talked about the effective way to pray? Oh, that's good. There's a lot of takes on prayer, all the way from this is a waste of time, it could never do anything, how could you change the will of God, to you know, pray for everything. If I want to make my, find my keys, I pray for that. If I want something... You the know, lottery or whatever. Yeah. Pray, pray, pray. Where does Swedenborg fall on that spectrum?
1: Yeah, well, Swedenborg does sound as though um, praying for spiritual things is more effective. It's not that things in your earthly life aren't matters of concern that you take to the Lord and everything like that, but simply praying for um, things like money, you you know, there's there's cause and effect. Those are harder to fulfill, Mm -hmm. whereas if you pray for a better attitude to the financial situation you find yourself in, that kind of thing can happen pretty quickly in response to a prayer sometimes, you know. And Swedenborg also talks about the urgency and humility that if you feel humble and you're seeking the Lord and then you're really urgently, you know, Lord, I really need you to, you know, sometimes before I, I do a performance or something like that, I'll, I'll pray that Lord, you really need to show up now yeah. kind of thing because it's urgent and I feel humble. I don't think I can do this by myself. And uh, so some prayers Swedenborg talks about don't seem to be answered but the Lord hears them all. Even the prayers of our agonized heart when we're in the yeah. pit, uh, we may say things like, I wish I'd never been born or something, you know, yeah. but the, the Lord, that's, that's okay. You know, the Lord understands that we're in a state of, of despair. And I've had the thought that it's okay to sort of experiment with prayer a little bit. One kind of prayer that Swedenborg speaks against is prayer for something really bad to happen to somebody else. Ah, he does say that's not right. I take back my last couple. <laughs> sort of a, a hateful prayer is, is not a good idea. Yeah. It, it's supposed to be something about love and connection.
0: When I think about it, what is the object or what's the objective of prayer? Are you trying to convince God, look, this is actually a better way to do things than you were going to do things before? Because obviously not, because there's divine omnipotence and wisdom there operating with total love right. behind it. So you couldn't have it be that. Is it to say, hey, listen, would you care about me a little bit more? But no, because God has total love. So what right. are we trying to do? And it seems to me like the things that are po- the, the levers and, and checks and balances on things, all have to do with. Uh, what's good for our eternal state. The divine providence is constantly focusing on the eternal state. So actually, your attitude towards the things you're asking for can matter. I just was reading this journal entry of Swedenborg where he said that he's talking about how angelic spirits see things, that that they see the providence in everything, and they want the Lord to run the universe rather than run the universe the way I would want to have it run. Uh Um, And then he makes this, as opposed to evil spirits who think, okay, I, I want this to be this and i want it all to serve me but there's this interesting statement he made at the end where he was saying that people of faith uh rarely get the things that they're asking for while they're asking for while they're
1: asking i love that one yeah but only that's really amazing
0: only afterwards when they've sort of forgotten about it yeah and that strikes me as very strange Mm -hmm why would it be like that? It doesn't mean like, okay, I really want $2 million. Okay. Can't wait till I forget and I'll get it. But (laughs) he says, if the thing is useful, it may come to pass. That points to the importance of psychological state. Because if I say, um, hey, I really want this thing. Can't I get it? And then I get it. There's a couple of things. One is I'm going to feel like I caused it in a certain way. But two is it could reinforce this sense of i i know what's necessary and if i don't get what i need it's a cause of concern and anxiety but if if it's like oh i wasn't i can totally see that this good thing is coming apart from my agency and apart from my immediate direction that that changes how you feel about it i also and this will be my last thing on this he talks about people who are raised to high positions because how many of us are praying for like a raise or a promotion or something he says that people are only on the one hand are not are only led into high positions if those positions won't be spiritually harmful to them so for example if you really want to get a higher position that that desire to be greater actually could have providence like okay i can't do that because if i put you up there you're going, if I make you the host of Swedenborg in life or something really prestigious like that, <laughs> it's going to inflate your ego so much that, that it's going to actually do it's long-term very, spiritual very harm to you. Yeah. So anyway, that's a jumble of nothing. That, that,
1: maybe well, the, well, Yeah, go ahead. Can I have a couple more points? That just I love that thing of just like Jesus prayed when he was in this world. And so it's a good thing to do. And he would end some of his most powerful prayers with saying, Thy will be done, yeah. you know. Even when he was praying to get out of the crucifixion, he would still say, Thy will be yeah. done. And I think that's a great way to end a prayer. And also, uh, we've done some shows before on how the angels, there are strict rules about how they can interact with us. Yeah. There are things they can do and they can't do. Prayer actually changes those rules. Like some of the rules are, you can't blah, 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 unless the person prays. You know. And so our prayers can actually release angels and they can do more yeah. for us. Than they could do with without that prayer, in but itself, generally, Swedenborg says that uh, praying for spiritual things rather than material things, yeah. uh, you know, it is spiritual it, things. It's just generally yeah. a, a good emphasis. You'll probably be more successful with those right. prayers. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, in itself, prayer is an acknowledgment that the divine exists, yeah. which is which is a good start. Okay, That's we gotta we gotta move to the next one because we only have time for like two more questions. Okay, this is Immortal Blue asks: When positive people with good spirits walk into a room with a negative person with dark spirits what happens are the negative spirits driven away hmm. well it's a question of phys- we have here physical proximity and spiritual proximity and do they go hand in hand for example because we're very close to each other right now in this room and stuart's over there depending on what kind of spirits we have do they know that they're close, that we're close to each other and by, by association they're close? Or is it like my spirits could be a million miles away from
1: yours? I, I don't know that Swedenborg addresses it directly, but experientially, doesn't it sometimes seem like the first time you see somebody, you already feel negative about them or you already feel positive about them? And I often wonder if that's that my spirits like their spirits or don't like their spirit. you know? yeah. Like, at first sight, I mean, it's based on what, you know? Yeah. But I wonder sometimes whether there is that conflict. Um, Now, I don't know that the negative spirits are necessarily uh, driven away. You know what I mean? Uh, Sometimes, (coughs) if that negativity takes over both people, the angels have to back up a little bit. You know, I think it can go either way. Yeah. Um, Can
0: we see the question again? Here it comes when positive people with good spirits walk into a room with a negative person with dark spirits well yeah i don't know so this and this is getting this is into a world that swedenborg doesn't talk about a lot you're right that the, the uh hey, the exact back,
1: mechanics of you know.
0: exact mechanics of physical of multiple physical people interacting with spiritual stuff because swedenborg will talk about what affected the spirits around him and everything from what foods he ate to what he looked at could affect the spirits around him but i don't know if he ever talks about i was looking at my business associate and my spirit right. saw their spirits yeah so, right so the good news is it does is,
1: seem like sometimes uh, if it's a very positive environment sometimes the evil spirits just get sick of it and they leave you know it seems like doesn't it yeah they, you know it's just oh and then you feel this kind of relief and something positive yeah. you know
0: Okay, so there's... There's
1: a, there, there's a non-answer. There's a non-answer. Let's it's do good. one it's more. That's a great
0: question. One more non-answer and then we're out of here. Joshua Anderson asks, does Swedenborg suggest spiritual disciplines to help with spiritual formation? Mm. So Swedenborg, I mean, there's, there was what he didn't really write but were called his rules of life. Right. Which had to do with faithfully performing your occupation, um, accepting providence. So I, I forget what the other one was.
1: Right, but reading the word, reading daily. the word daily. So that's right.
0: So I mean, he certainly the ones he followed. He was certainly reading and meditating on the Bible regularly. Yep. He yep. was do I you know
1: regular prayer,
0: regular prayer. He t's was made sure to engage with the world in a positive way he did change his diet a bit but we don't he never talks about that as an explicit spiritual practice he doesn't sort of give
1: recommendations to sit like this and breathe like that and do the other thing the main thing he talks about really is uh repentance and being loving to others and being useful you know as much as possible those kind of those are the kind of practices he talk about, and I kind of like. It used to frustrate me because I wanted him. Hey, give me instructions. You know, I just want to yeah. just tell me what to do. And he would keep saying, Well, you should repent, examine yourself. You know, well, how do I do that? Do yeah. I sit in this position or that? <laughs> he, he doesn't say, but but he does give you that sort of spiritual advice. But in the in the um, uh, now I've become glad because this is for all kinds of different people yeah you know and I think each individual will be led to to do their own particular practice that that works for them I, I have tons of practices but they might be different than yours you yeah
0: know? yep I was just reading again it, it is this interesting mix of he won't give you a lot of specifics he will describe these general processes he'll tell you the physics of the of the spiritual yeah, physics of the spiritual mind physics but he right. won't That's just he it. won't just say here's the steps to every morning five o'clock wake up and exercise for 10 minutes and then do deep breathing
1: that's right but then again and do not go to work until you've you know something something said at least five minutes of prayer yeah
0: but at the other hand he does sometimes drop these breadcrumbs and it's often like deep in as to his processes and it's deep in his journal spiritual experiences that's right i was just reading one where he's talking about he goes on and on about things being habitual that if you learn yeah, how to, okay. somebody who learns how to speak or perform activities, at first they have to focus on and learn them, but then it becomes habitual, like riding a bike is the, the classic answer. Right. And he relates that to th- keeping the Lord in your thoughts all the time. He says, initially... Eventually, you don't have to think about that, but at first, you can and should train your mind to constantly be thinking about the Lord.
1: He does talk about habits of thought, doesn't yeah. he? Habits. He yeah, that's right. That's and good. And to me, that's, I so like that I love stuff like getting good habits in your thinking.
0: Like I want, I, yeah. I crave those too. Like what are the hard steps? So I'll come across these and I'll say, oh, I should do that for a while, but then I'll kind of forget it. Oh, I should do that one. That's so what we need to like. Some not need to compile. A, do this. List and here's
1: a list of things to do. That would be awesome. That's right, that would be cool. All
0: right, good ones. Let's go to the next thing. Thanks, everybody. We're going to move on now to our spiritual road trip. We actually have two little trips for you. Today and the first oh. one has to Too do for with the price of one. yeah right which 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 was free in the first place yeah this is a story uh, that we told or we retold during the altar show. And there was this clip, where the reenactment uh, that you narrated of an evil spirit mm. attacking Swedenborg, amazing story, going after Swedenborg in all these nefarious ways. It came, it came to his senses for a minute and said, "Swedenborg, it's nothing personal. I just hate everybody <laughs> that's trying to live a good life and follow God." But it's not personal. You're doing that, so I'm trying to kill you. And we didn't say it in that story, but in the headline. In his, the title line in his journal spiritual experiences, he identifies this spirit as a person he knew in life, mm. Count Frederick
1: Gillenborg, who had passed on to the spiritual world by this point, obviously. But yeah, he knew him well. He knew,
0: and he knew his wife too, right? Yep, absolutely. So his wife was the Countess, uh, and Countess Gillenborg, and he actually had a, a relationship of sorts with her. Yeah, and this is where we're gonna take it our seems, little seems trip It seems like here. a
1: real friendship. Yeah, yeah. So An interesting story.
0: This is from Emanuel Swedenborg: A Continuing Vision. So a book published by Swedenborg Foundation by Robert H. Curvin and Robin Larson. Countess Gillenborg remained a friend of Swedenborg's after her husband's death, and there is no record that Swedenborg collected the twenty thousand dollars, but that would be Swedish D A L E R S. Yes, which is a
1: lot of money
0: loan, or the $1,200 interest that her husband owed him at that time. Mm. So he, yeah, she owed him, what, like like $70,000 or something like that?
1: Yeah, I don't know what the exchange was. It would be interesting to look it up, but it was, I know it was a load of money. In 1751, she, the Countess, gave Swedenborg the manuscript of a
0: small book she had written, Mary's Better Part, and he arranged to have it published anonymously. After her death in 1769, Swedenborg mentioned to a friend in the British Parliament, C. A. Tulk, that he expected her to be his mate in heaven after his death.
1: Wow, so that's, yeah, I didn't see that coming at the end yeah. there, that that he actually thought he would be with her in the, in the spiritual world. Yeah, very interesting. And he helped, this was not a time when... Women wrote a lot or published yeah. a lot. They, they couldn't even get into higher education or anything. And yet he helped her publish this book. Right. And it's interesting. They had this shared interest of, like, she's publishing spiritual books. He's publishing spiritual books. He helps yeah. her. And this is a continuation from the Swedenborg Epic by Cyril Sigstedt. Swedenborg, knowing the deeply religious sentiments of this distinguished lady, seems to have been sincerely moved by her desire to lead people to reverence the teachings of God's word he wrote his name in the volume the volume that she published he wrote his name in the volume which has come down to our time signed emmanuel swedenborg so he he signed his she maybe asked him to sign a copy or something
0: like that and something fascinating about this is how different his experiences were with a couple and i (laughs) think that and it's not like he's like well "Well, well, i have a crush on her so i'm going to smear this guy i mean he never published that story of the count attacking him and this is according to him it's after death Account was it. so i think it also points to swedenborg's concept of that that even couples who are married on earth they can be very different spiritually very
1: different yeah one can be in a heavenly state the other yeah. can be in a hellish state and that might not be really clearly manifest in this yeah. world or something but so but that's that's a shocker yeah. it's
0: a little behind the scenes trivia but since we told that evil spirit story this was just too much extra yeah. for that's us right. to leave out our second story of the road trip, we're going back to the Jesus's rescue, rescue mission into the lower earth.
1: Oh, so in the course of being resurrected, he went down yeah. and and rescued those people and set captivity, yes. took it captive and released them and all that.
0: You know how here we will celebrate holidays that that have to do with historical events of great significance. Sometimes right. people will even form societies that reenact. reenactment. That's right. Yeah. Well. That Jesus' mission down to the lower earth was actually the subject of a sort of a reenactment used to teach children about the event. So this is a clip from our Children in Heaven show where some little kids, how would you learn about something as serious and dire as Jesus, God, going into the lower earth to free people? people? This is how it all went down.
2: way of teaching children is through representative scenes suited to their frame of mind. No one could ever believe how beautiful and how full of inner wisdom these scenes are. Bit by bit, they fix in the children an intelligence that takes its soul from goodness. Let me report here just a single portrayal that I was permitted to see, from which the reader may draw conclusions about the others. The children portrayed the Lord rising up from the tomb, and along with it, the uniting of his humanity with his divinity. The scene was performed with a wisdom surpassing all human wisdom and at the same time with childlike innocence. They also presented the image of a tomb. They did not present an image of the Lord along with it except for one that was so abstract it could hardly be seen as the Lord except at a distance so to speak. The reason was that the image of a tomb brings with it something macabre that they could push to the side in this way. Later, very cautiously, they allowed into the tomb a thin, vapory looking atmosphere, by which they symbolized, again at a fitting distance, the spiritual life present in baptism. Afterward, I saw them represent the Lord going down to the prisoners and taking them up to heaven, a scene they produced with incomparable skill and reverence. Like the children that they were, When they represented the Lord among the prisoners in the underground realm, they let down tiny, soft, very delicate little threads, almost invisible, with which they helped lift the Lord as he rose. All the time they felt a holy fear, not wanting any part of their portrayal to border on what was not spiritual and heavenly. They live among other types of representation, too, which lead them into a knowledge of truth and a desire for goodness, just as child's play does when it is suited to their temperament. Fascinating.
0: They're they're taking so much care for the psychology of the kids and making sure that we're going to teach you something, but it's not going to be in any way that's scary or harmful. But yet we're going to tackle this subject.
1: Yeah, and these must have been children who died as children. Yes. And so they didn't necessarily learn this stuff when they were in this world. So that here. Here's an important story. And so they're able to show it to them in 3D kind of thing.
0: For a little more about what life is like for people who die as children, check out our show, Children in Heaven. All right. So now we're going to, as we promised, get to the ice melter. We'll read your responses, which we got a lot of them, to the question at the beginning. So let's take a look. We actually got so many responses to this which i have a feeling we would because everyone has been low before yeah. that we're we're unfortunately going to only be able to do some of the responses here when you feel in a pit of despair what sustains you or lifts you up we got nine pages of responses we're going to do the first five if we left you out it's not because we don't care about you it's not because you're not as important it's just because time and space so let's take a look at, at what it, what lifts people up nature that's from popcorn and peanuts hope and love music helps me
1: nature's a good yeah that's yeah. good
0: the sun coming up pure logical thought mm. the people i love whether they know it or not mm. they're having an impact i told myself there is no bad or good news all news are the same all experiences are the same only we ourselves determine or choose to decide if their experience is good or bad then i decide whatever i experience must be good i like but that flip it i have been there for me it was music and prayer and tears mm, good relative circumstances for transformation the darker the greater benefits easier said than done that's you right. can know something but to have it really bring that emotional mm. comfort i try to think of the other times in my life i was feeling down and how i overcame those challenges it helps me to remember this too shall pass
1: oh that's that's
0: good and i do visualization meditation of a positive outcome that helps too Music, nature, knowing I am just working through and healing wounds being worked on in spirit. That's right. Talking with my wife. Lately I turn to the east and talk with the Lord about whatever my trouble is and place my trust in Him that I'm going where I need to be. Nice. The knowledge that this despair is from hellish and I can sh- and should shun it. Yep, to, mm-hmm. to bring in, okay, this, is, this isn't as important as it thinks it is. Right. And there's, a re- there's, a, there's an ethical reason why it's there. Musical compositions. When I feel the goosey bumps, then I know it's real. That's right. If it's for a reason, either for my benefit or someone else's, two, life here on earth is preparation for heaven.
1: That really it's helps contextualize it, doesn't yep. it? Yeah.
0: Watching shows like this or books about the supernatural, lots of prayer, and just knowing that this too shall pass. Hey, there you go. Nothing in my life stays bad all the time, which is so hard to remember when something is bad, but mm. it's so true. Think about the concept of the astronaut effect or overview effect, that I'm very small in this world.
1: Oh, I like that. Getting physically, like, kind of far yeah. away from it. And that's the
0: freedom of, of the importance of self kind of melting away a bit. Music is mine. Mm. Walking in nature helps and painting, making art. Mm. Coming to know the people I can call on to tell me something I can't see, and that my peace will come from letting the Lord handle it for me. Nice music eases my depression similar to how a massage can alleviate bodily pain this show also helps nice. ah, thanks for saying that um cool so i mean and obviously there were more and more on and on maybe we do a show sometime just on like what are your spiritual uplifts. well it's a
1: good it's a good topic help in the pit is something we all need and that's part
0: of why we ask these questions we want to know what what does resonate with people and it's important for us to all look and realize the similarity of our journeys if the same thing that's right hits a vein for everybody yeah and because ju- mm. because just like we said we have these large-scale experiences and these small individual ones and what we learn in our little individual ones can then reach out and help them yeah. the whole human race that's so that's right. going to be awesome guys thanks for making it you did it with us. If you enjoyed this show at all, you're allowed to like and subscribe now if you forgot to before when I was badgering you about it before. Join us on Patreon. We are a not-for-profit, so the way that we fund stuff like this is through people making donations. This is a little place where you can go pledge a small amount per month, and then you get some behind-the-scenes stuff. There's yeah, footage of me some hanging in a harness in there. There is Jonathan Rose going through Bible cards. There's all kinds of cool stuff. From there, uh, we'd love to have you there. So next week, we'll be back Monday night. We're going to do another live show. Oh. Two live shows in a row. Wow. Can you believe that? And this one is going to be a cool look at... We're, say, we're here saying... I'm saying Swedenborg really affects me. It helps get me out of the pits. change my life. We have people here bothering to watch a whole show, which means it's changed theirs too. Did you know Swedenborg actually isn't just this isolated, weird slice of life? His message has rippled out into a lot of mainstream stuff. That you and, might know a
1: lot of different areas right
0: that's right we're yeah. going to take a look at some people you might not know he'd influenced in some ways that they've changed the world and you can just kind of set yourself in this larger context of something trying to add to life oh, so be cool hopefully you can all join us there thanks so much for hanging hey, out hey thanks Curtis we'll see you next week
2: Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Child's host and showrunner with co-host Jonathan Rose. Livestream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner.